Hello, and welcome to the Den of Geek Book Club podcast. My name is Katie Burt. I'm the books editor at denofgeek.com. And today I am talking with Marissa Meyer, the author of Superhero Stories, Renegades, and Arch Enemies. Uh, well, first of all, thank you so much for, you know, chatting with me about your writing, in particular, the Renegade series. I, I finished the first book and I'm starting the second one. I'm like, I've just started it. So don't spoil anything for me from the second okay. book. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. But um, I also read your Lunar Chronicle series, um, you know, which are hugely popular. Um, they're reimagined versions of fairy tales for people who who don't know that, even though I think a lot of people do. Um, and, you know, I was curious if that process of, of reimagining these fairy tales was at all similar to the process of of not reimagining superhero tropes, but you're definitely playing off of and commenting on these like already established patterns in really interesting ways. Did, did that, those two processes feel similar to you at all? I wish they had felt more similar. Um, that was one of the biggest struggles from going from a series of retellings in which, you know, for every book, um, I, I, from the very outset, I at least had a little bit of a framework to build off of, like doing a uh, cinder, I knew there was going to be a ball. I knew there was going to be a wicked stepmother character. I knew uh, at some point she'd have to lose some sort of shoe, like the the, the big moments of the fairy tales that would have to be incorporated. Um, So I I kind of started with this skeleton that I was able to then build off of. Um, But then going into the world of superheroes, I definitely drew a lot of influence from, you know, well-known, beloved superhero stories. Uh, But there was none of that framework that I could use to then start crafting my own story off of. You know, it was complete freedom as to what I wanted to do with it, Um, which seemed really fun and awesome at first. But uh, the problem was that from (coughs) when I started writing it, um, the problem was that when I started writing it, I had so many ideas and so many different directions that I wanted to take the story and, you know, all these other, these, these characters and I had ideas for all their superpowers and I wanted there to be a school for superheroes and maybe there's a school for supervillains and maybe there's a crazy religious cult that worships them or maybe there's a religious cult that is trying to destroy them and thinks they're <laughs> evil. And I mean, just like so many directions that I could go with it. Yeah. Uh, and so then it was really difficult for me to figure out, okay, well, what is actually this story about? What is the heart of, of this story? So it was, it was a very different way to think about it. Yeah. It's also interesting listening to you talk about that progression of like structure um, within your writing in relation to, I know you started um, writing, doing like Sailor Moon fan fiction, which I think is super cool. And just thinking about that as also like a place where people can learn to write or, you know, continue to write because there's some amazing stuff in fan fiction, but um, with these like already established characters and structures. And um, it has a similar quality, I think, to what you're talking about, um, you know, when you're mentioning reimagining these fairy tales. So. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, I mean, obviously, I wrote a ton of fan fiction. Uh, and for me, I really credit fan fiction with, like, that's how I learned how to write. That's how I learned how to, you know, write dialogue and build interesting stories and build suspense and all of these factors that come together to write a book. Um, and you're right, what's so great about these, about writing fan fiction is that you're kind of handed a set of 
things that you can play with, you know, a set of characters or a world. Um, and you can kind of pick and choose what elements you want to take from that uh, and then decide how how much off into your own world do you want to go with it. Yeah, and it's um, having this, like, common language that a lot of people already start with, um, which, you know, again, it feels like there's some of that with superhero writing, too. But what I really love, one of the things I really loved about your stories is how unique um, the superhero or the superpower skill sets for the main characters were because I feel like you see a lot of the same kinds of, like, superpowers over and over again. And that, you know, that can be interesting, but, like, I don't know. I really, I, I'm curious about how you came up with these particular superpower sets for Adriana Nova. Well, thank you. It was really, really hard coming up with superpowers that haven't been done to death already. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there were a lot of times in writing this, these books when I would get an idea for a superpower that I thought was really cool or maybe like uh, an alter ego name that sounded really awesome. And then I would search for it. And of course, Marvel has already done like four of them. Yeah, They're like, <laughs> we started decades Marvel. ago. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was really hard, you know, trying to find things that um, at least had a little bit of uniqueness to them. Um, but in the end, I think that both in the case of Nova and Adrian, um, I found myself drawn to having that I would really want to have um, and that I think uh, I would really envy someone and think that's really cool with Adrian. You know, he's this amazing artist and everything that he draws, he can bring to life. His and powers are I, so cool. <laughs> it's so cool. Thank you. Yeah. I agree. And I, I really envy people who can draw and paint. Um, I'm not talented in that way at all. And so it's always been one of those things where I watch someone sketch out, you know, something and it's so just amazing what some of these artists can do. Um, so that was a big influence on Adrian's side. And then with Nova, she never has to sleep. And that's kind of a vicarious fantasy of mine. Because I often think, yeah, if you didn't have to sleep, oh, just think. Think of the books that you could <laughs> read, the things that you could write, all the things you could do. Yeah, and it's, I think there's a, increasingly, um, like, more the superheroes we see in, like, mainstream storytelling are just, like, more and more all-powerful. So to see superheroes who have, like, relatively limited powers, even though especially Adrian has, like, the, the possibilities feel really endless when it comes to him. But, like, it still feels like they have to use other skills to get things done. It's not just about, you know, these superpowers you know, make anything possible, which I think you especially see with Nova where she can't even use um, some of her superpowers when she's like undercover with the renegade. So she has to, and she's so much more than those powers. So she's able to like really be an effective member of the team. Um, right. Yeah. Right. No. And I think that makes it much more interesting. You know, I love superhero stories and, you know, go and see pretty much every new superhero movie that comes out. I'm so excited for it. Um, but I've noticed this trend with the the movies that Hollywood has been doing where the villains like have to become more and more powerful because they always have to seem more powerful than the last one. Mm -hmm. And so now we're going up against like gods and goddesses and like unstoppable characters. And I know the stakes of Infinity War are very, very, yeah, very high. And it's a great movie, but at some point, I start to feel like I don't know if I really believe that these characters can defeat this, which I guess, you know. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think most people have probably already seen Infinity War, but we won't, we won't go yeah, down I that know. road. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you mentioned already that this originally started as a superhero school story in your mind. Um, which, and also when I was reading the first book, I had some, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Sky High, but especially when they're yes. doing the trials, I was like, oh, this is kind of Sky High-esque, although like very different <laughs> tonally, like very different tonally. Yes. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm curious about that progression between, um, you know, from starting with a school setting to really becoming kind of like a workplace drama, you know, like these, th- this is their job. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening in their personal life that's super relevant, but a lot of it happens in this like kind of like corporate feeling office building. Um, yeah. And just like how that transition happened. Yeah. I really tried so hard to make the school thing work. Um, that was, you know, the original concept for the book was that there would be the school for superhero and the school for supervillains and that they were going to be rivals. And, you know, these two characters would meet and okay, what do we do now? Cause we like each other, but we're not supposed to. And that was like the seed of the idea that first inspired this book. Uh, and I think I wrote maybe four complete drafts of Renegades trying to get the school aspect to come together. And like one draft was very cheeky and sarcastic and like poking fun of superhero genre and really almost more Sky High-esque where mm-hmm. it almost became a comedy. Um, and like that didn't work at all. And so then we tried one where, well, maybe it's only a school for superheroes, but there's this like secret <coughs> super villains within the school. And I don't know. I just tried so many different things to yeah. try to get it to work. Um, and ultimately it did not work. It just wasn't coming together. Um, and so when I finally like gave up on it and took out the school thing and thought, okay, well, what can we still do with having a superhero and a supervillain falling in love um, in this very different world, uh, that instead of, you know, being kind of shiny and clean and yay, we're superheroes and we're going to go learn how to be superheroes. Um, instead there's, you know, this seedy underbelly in this world and they're all trying to survive out of this age of anarchy. And, um, you know, it just became a very different world at that point. Uh, and as I was trying to figure out, well, okay, well, what does this world now look like? And if the renegades are controlling it and they're trying to rebuild the society, what would they take from, you know, from the the society that had happened before? What are they going to borrow? What are they going to build off of? Um, And that all just kind of started to come together and develop into, uh, you know, this superhero syndicate, you know, this very corporate seeming uh, gang of superheroes. Yeah. And it also, I wonder if that opened up the world as well or the books to like new possible like readers. I don't know if like there's people who like if it's slightly older, the people who might be interested in it or if you because I I read in an earlier interview with you that you're seeing more like boys coming to readings after having published these books. And I think that's really interesting. Um, And uh, yeah, I guess I was just curious in general, if you've seen like um, the demographics of your readership change in other ways. I mean, you've in some ways, you've been, it seems like you've been writing a while, but you know, you have you have a long, you have many years ahead of you. You're probably still at the beginning of your career, so I don't know how much has changed I, so far. But <laughs> um, no, I mean, definitely with Renegades, I have been seeing uh, more boys come to the events, uh, and also more men. I mean, older, you know, guys in the, their 30s and 40s are starting to come, um, and who are like clearly comic book fans. Oh, that's cool. Um, and yeah, I'm not really. Sure yeah, I love it. And I'm not really sure how they're hearing about the book. Yeah. And how they're, 
thanking them. Um, although I should ask, start asking them. That would be really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it's cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they're hungry for like new kinds of superhero stories. Um, cause for so long, I think there was a very relatively narrow, like group, like demographic of people who are getting to write these stories. So like seeing that expand out and not just in, in literature, but, in the movies and TV shows um, is really cool to see like what kinds of new superhero stories we get. Yeah, for sure. It's such, I mean, there's so many directions you can go so much you can do with it. Um, This is definitely one of those genres that just keeps giving. Mm -hmm. I know people are always like predicting the end of the superhero genre, like bad. And it's like, it doesn't seem like it's ending. (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't think it ever will. I mean, it's, Maybe they weren't always called superheroes, but we pretty much always had superheroes. I mean, what were the Greek heroes but superheroes? Yeah. Um, and and so there's this kind of always been this fascination, I think, with people who are powerful, have these otherworldly abilities, um, and then that you know question mark of well, if you have these abilities, do you become a hero or do you become a villain? Like, what what side do you take? And if you do have superhuman abilities, do you have a responsibility to become a hero with them? Um, and I love looking at those sorts of questions. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's so much about our, like the questions and anxieties that we have about power and how to wield it. If we have it, like to what degree we have it. Yeah. I, and I don't think those questions are, they don't seem to be like they're going to be resolved anytime soon. So (laughs) superheroes will probably be around (laughs) for a while. (laughs) Um, yeah, they're fun. Um, there are lots of things. They're not just fun. Um, but yeah, I was one of the like early details when you first start Renegades, um, that I was like, Oh, cool. Um, was finding out that Adrian has like two dads who have like partially raised him after his mother died and how they're, you know, two of the most popular superheroes in the world, but like their queerness doesn't seem to have any impact on that. Like that's not, you know, as part of who they are, but people aren't judging them for that or there isn't any sort of blowback. And I was curious about that decision to just be like, this is like, I just want to have like a positive representation of this, that it's not going to be a story about how they have to struggle through that. Um, you know, obviously they're side characters, but yeah, I really love that. So I'd love to hear you talk about yeah, it. Well, thank you. And I really loved writing their characters uh, and writing the family dynamic and Especially, like, in writing the Lunar Chronicles, nobody had happy families. Mm. Like, they all came from these really terrible family backgrounds. And so it was really nice with Adrian to be able to show, like, he has two parents and they love him and they support him. Um, Not everything is perfect. You know, of course, they have family conflicts like any family. But it was really nice to be able to write one of those for once. Um, As far as, like, what inspired it, I think... Um, a lot of times when you're writing a character, something just kind of pops into your head and just feels right for them. Um, and I'm not really sure at what point it occurred to me that Adrian had two dads. Um, but at some point that developed and just felt right. Um, but it, I do think it was really influenced by, uh, my husband and I, uh, we adopted our two beautiful girls, um, through the foster care system. And when you're getting licensed to do foster care, you have to do tons of training programs and take all of these classes and all this stuff. And through going through these various programs, um, about half of the couples that we were in the programs with were same-sex couples. Um, And I remember thinking, 
like how cool it is to be living in a time in which so many more children are going to be able to find, you know, loving, stable homes um, that may not have been a possibility um, back when same-sex couples were not able to adopt. Uh, and so I just loved seeing that, and I think that definitely <coughs> uh, played a big role in influencing the decision for this family. Yeah, um, I love that that backstory. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I, I believe the Arch Enemies came out on election day, correct? It did. Yeah, yeah. which I was, you know, I wasn't really thinking about. <laughs> I but- thought that it was election day because I did my voting like a week and a half ago. And then suddenly everyone was talking about voting. And I was like, oh, is that today? Yeah, you're like, I've moved on. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, even aside from that, when I was reading Renegades, it just felt like very relevant to something that at least I've been thinking a lot about, which is, you know, we have these like, ideological schisms that are becoming really apparent in like our country and just, yeah, like looking for hopeful or any kinds of stories or solutions to like bringing people together or compromise or like, what does it look like when two very different like mindsets, um, are forced to, or get to, um, have conversations about that. And I was wondering, you know, with Adrian and Nova, was that like part of the story for you or was that cathartic at all when you're like, maybe, you know, I don't know what your relationship to like the national atmosphere is right now, but <laughs> politics. Yeah. Um, but that was something I was thinking about a lot when I was reading Renegades and just felt very like topical. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny for me, I almost never realized that I'm, you know, drawing on these much bigger themes until mm-hmm. after I've written something. And then I can look back and totally see the influence coming in from the world. And it's it's usually not that I'm trying to, um, like, send a men- message consciously or anything. But definitely, as a writer, your own viewpoints just tend to kind of work their way into the story. Um, and in the world of the renegades, like, at the beginning it's really set up as we have heroes and we have villains. We have good and we have evil. Um, But I think, see, as the story goes on, um, and you definitely get a lot of it in the first book as well, that it's it's rarely that simple, that there are shades of gray and there are pros and cons to these different ideologies. Um, And in the fictional world, as with the real world, things tend to work best if we can start closing those gaps. And, and and coming to compromises and showing empathy and compassion toward each other and listening to each other and, and talking things out. Um, and so I, I definitely think that that personal belief is, is going to come through throughout the story. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's like people always pointing out patterns and you're like, oh, yeah, definitely intentional. But like, yeah, I mean, it's like <laughs> to a certain point, like you're making every decision in the book. So it's like, of course, it comes from, you know, somewhere. Um, even if you weren't, yeah, very conscious about it at the moment. Um, so this is going to be a trilogy, correct? Correct. Correct. Yes. Um, did you, do you know how it's going to end? And, or did you know, like, did you, have you known from the beginning how it's going to end? Um, or are you like the kind of writer who likes to kind of like find out as you go along? <laughs> Um, I didn't know from the beginning, largely because the story has changed so much from the beginning. Um, but once I finally figured out what Nova and Adrian's story, that their story was at the heart of it, and I figured out what the world was going to look like and kind of what the overall trajectory of the plot was going to be, um, then I I did 
pretty quickly start to figure out what the end was going to be. Um, and I actually have the end written. Um, I wrote, it was actually one of the first things that I wrote, which is unusual for me. I don't Mm -hmm. usually do that. Um, and so I have the end, the climax of book three done at this (laughs) point. Uh, but of course things tend to change and, you know, we'll, we'll see how, how much it stays the same, but, um, I definitely feel like I have a pretty good sense of where it's going. Has your writing process changed a lot since you first started writing? Or do you think that there are like, yeah, I'm just, I guess I'm, I'm always curious what people's writing process and what they're actually like the logistics of like sitting down and getting stuff done looks like for them. <laughs> yeah, it's, there are some things that have stayed the same and some things change. And sometimes a book will require a tweak in the process and then you'll do something different for another book. Um, I've always been an outline writer and that hasn't changed. Uh, so I always start by brainstorming lots of ideas and then trying to build the outline off of them. Um, I always try to know what my major plot points and plot twists are going to be before I begin. Um, some things that have changed, my outlines have gotten more and more complex and detailed. Mm. Um, it used to be very sparse, maybe like a one or two page outline. Now I tend to write outlines anywhere from like the 20 to 30 page range and really like go into detail and what's going to happen in every chapter before I start writing. Um, and also when I first started, uh, I was very serious about having to write chronologically Mm. and have to write chapter one and then chapter two and then chapter three, and there's no jumping ahead. Uh, And now I will (coughs) jump around all the time and I'm constantly, you know, okay, what do I feel like writing today? If I feel like writing this battle scene, then I'm going to write that. If I feel like writing a kissing scene, then I'm going to write that. Um, and so the the story definitely builds and develops in different ways. Cool. Are there things um, that you have really worked on as a writer that you think you've gotten a lot better at and that you're proud of? And are, are there things that you want to get better at within your like writing style or process? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that just my my overall voice and use of language has definitely improved. Um, and there's things that, like, if I go back and read some of my early work, it's impossible not to read it without that critical eye and think, oh, I wish I would have used this word, or I sure was overusing this body language back then, or I, you know, even this sentence is so awkward, why didn't I put in a comma here? You know, just little <laughs> things, right? Uh, it definitely does change and develop uh, over time. Um, as far as things I would like to get better at, it's funny. Like I get a ton of compliments on my world building, but I never feel like a very confident world builder. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So I'm I'm constantly, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe because I don't feel confident, I really feel like I'm always pushing myself to do better at it, and maybe yeah. it just all works. And yeah. um, but I, I envy writers who just seem to be able to see these worlds in their mind and understand how everything works and how it all clicks together and have such just lush, amazing details. Um, and for me, I feel like I have to work really, really hard to, to come even close to reaching where they're at. Mm. Um, I had the next question right here. Oh yes, of course. So your stories often feature romance. Um, you know, within these larger, like, speculative fiction genre. And I wanted to know why you like writing love stories or romance, if they're, maybe if they're not love stories. <laughs> um, why? You know, it's funny. As a reader, I read a lot of different genres. I, I 
you know, love sci-fi fantasy and, and historical and contemporary. I mean, I, I just read very widely. But I found that as a reader, if a book doesn't have a compelling romance subplot, then I tend to lose it in it really quickly. Everything mm-hmm. else in the book can be fantastic. But there's something in me that just feels drawn to having two characters that I can root for that happy ending. Um, and I'm not sure if that's maybe a leftover of like my Disney princess days and always wanting that fairy tale happy ending. Um, and it's funny that like in in real life, I recognize that like you can have a happy ending without getting married at the end of the story or without finding true love. Like I don't believe that necessarily. Um, equals happiness for everybody but in my fiction I like to have you know the possibility of that you know true love at the end yeah um I'm curious what you are a fan of right now whether it's books tv movies comics podcasts like what is it that if you have something right now because you also have two children and are on book tour um (laughs) you know that is like the thing that you just like to escape into um, gosh, I mean, there's always different things. You bring up my kids, and I just introduced my kids to Nightmare Before Christmas, and it had been so long <laughs> since I'd seen that movie, and so all of my love for that movie has been reignited, and it was one that, for once, I didn't mind having to watch over and over again for the last yeah. couple of weeks. Like, yes, we can watch this again. I love this movie. Um, What else? I, you know... My husband and I kind of go through periods where we'll we'll, like binge watch a TV show and then I completely forget about it. Um, (laughs) I think probably what I'm most looking forward to coming back is Game of Thrones, as Mm -hmm. I think everybody is, Uh, and and Stranger Things. I'll look forward to that coming back. And yeah, I mean, there's I don't know. There's always things. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I know. And there is like you're right. The pace at which I think we consume media can be so fast right now that. You're like, well, last week, I guess I did watch this entire show, but now I've forgotten yes. about it because I'm watching this other thing. <laughs> so I can exactly. relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank but you. But then there's the classics. I mean, Harry Potter. Mm. Always be into Harry Potter. Always, always there. Always Firefly. You know, there's the things that you're always going to love. Yeah. Yeah. That stick around a little bit longer. Uh, well, thank you so much for talking with me today. This was a lot of fun. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And uh, Renegades and Arch Enemies are now both available to buy, so you should go check those out. 